Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sports Spotlight. We have Gary from No Limits joining me, and we have a special guest today, Kyle Madsen. How are we doing today, Kyle? Feeling really good about uh, about this pod. I'm happy to be here, guys. For the people at home, he's a Sac State alum. He's the midway producer yep. for 957 The Game and the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. So first question I got for you, Kyle, is... What is the future of your 49ers, future of the quarterback situation and the future of just the Niners in general? And which way do you think they should head towards for next year? So I think Jimmy Garoppolo is still going to be the quarterback next year. But I don't think I went I went into this year thinking that if he played better, he would be the guy like long term that extend him and he would just kind of be there. But given just how he looked and I know he's been injured and stuff. Uh, but just kind of given how he's looked, I, I don't think that the team is probably super confident in him. Um, but I do think he's the guy next year. I think they probably draft somebody that they can groom to kind of be the future because I don't think Nick Mullins is a guy. I don't think C.J. Beathard's that guy. And and they need to find him if it's not going to be Garoppolo because you can't just uh, have a football team without a quarterback, especially one that's that's kind of as uh, as talented as they are with their core. So I think they're going to look a lot different next year. Uh, they have a, they have a, a ton of guys set to hit free agency. I was just writing about it last night. They have no cornerbacks under contract for next year. Mm. Um, Garoppolo is the only quarterback under contract for next year. They don't have any strong safeties under contract. Their interior offensive line needs a lot of help. They have a lot of holes, uh, but I, I think they've, taken the right steps to this point to to set themselves up to kind of fill those to fill those holes but it's going to be an interesting offseason for sure because if they are in Super Bowl contention next season I think it's going to be a very different looking team than the one that was there uh in 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 February last question just on the Niners before we get into you personally what do you want to see from this Niner team going for the rest of the year yeah I think if they compete like if they just if they just play well I don't I don't think they're going to have enough people healthy to be in games against like the saints with as banged up as the Niners are. I think those teams are more talented. So if they finish in the, in the kind of six win range and they're competitive in those games, especially the division games where they're not just kind of laying down, throwing their helmets out on the field and, and, and quitting on the year. I I think that's what, what the 49ers probably realistically want to see. Also Kyle, so, so now that we um Gary got his uh, his his takes out on you, I want to know more about you. How did it get started? You know, how did your fandom how did your fandom start? So I've been a sports fan for as long as I can remember, just because my my parents are both big sports fans and they still are. Um, my mom had 49er season tickets when I was growing up, so Sundays for me when she was going to games, it was waking up and she's cooking food for a tailgate uh, to take out there and those smells and just that, that atmosphere of you wake up and there's football on all day, all the way through to Sunday night football. Um, baseball, they were A's season ticket holders. Both my parents were. Um, so I, I grew up going to A's games and uh, playing baseball. I played basketball and soccer. Like, I have just been surrounded by sports for effectively my entire life. And when it became apparent that I wasn't going to be good enough to play them professionally, being in a spot where, um, you know, I'm 30 now and I'm, I, I've still got, I've still got 
sports so heavily involved in my life, uh, it's a it's a pretty good place to be. Actually, I want to go back. You said something very interesting. What does a, a Madsen um, tailgate look like? What's the spread looking like? Oh, God, that's a great that's a great question. One of the things that uh, my mom and I would do if we if it was just her and I, just her and I going to the game, I uh, would get this little get the little grill out. We do shrimp, which is really good. Uh, my mom makes this awesome like three bean casserole thing that's dynamite is like beans it's got bacon and cheese in it it's incredible if we if we if we go bigger you know you start getting into the 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 salsas and the chips and the hot dogs and the burgers and uh trying to blow it out that way but it's usually pretty low-key but always delicious because it's such an important part of game day you see i had you as a steak guy you know some uh you know steak on on the grill already i had you with the shrimp i thought you were going to be a kebab guy i thought you were going to go off right right off the bat Mm. yeah so like i'm a i'm a big steak guy um like at home (laughs) guess right yeah no you nailed that and and like a kebab i will rock with a kebab any day but uh, with the tailgate, it's all about like ease of eating. And mm-hmm. if you have shrimp there, those are super easy to just like pop off the grill, just into the finger food type stuff. Great A tailgating. So you said something how you you said you're not you're not going to be good enough to get to be in sports through the athletic side. Like what programs did you enter, you know, try to get into through like, you know, um, producing, writing and that in mm-hmm. that way? So I, um, I went to Sac State straight out of high school. And part of the reason I went there is because, um, I had spent a couple summers there for a, for a Nike baseball camp. And I really liked the campus. I really liked the area. And when I found out Sac State had a radio station on campus with KSSU, um, I went, I, I was, I was in there. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get involved in that. So I got involved at KSSU off the bat, like freshman orientation. I went to their table. I got all the info. Uh, I started doing a show my second second semester of my freshman year. Uh, I got involved at Hornet Sports and calling games and got into an internship at KHDK there in Sacramento. And I just loved everything about being in radio. KSSU was really my jumping off point for that at Sac State just because of the people I met and the connections I made and the experience I got. Like they say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And that afforded me the opportunity to do both, like meet the right people and know the right people, but also doing six hours of shows a week and calling a bunch of games and just getting that experience that I, I, I mean, you can't, you can't get that any, anywhere else. Tell us how you use KSU, KSSU to build off, build some skill sets to help you get like that first internship at KHDK. It was a lot of just knowing, knowing how a radio show operates. And I, I, I don't know what it's like now at KSSU, but when I was there, you did everything. Is that still how it is? You're hosting, you're running the board, you're starting the spots. Is it, it's still like that? Well, yeah. before pandemic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> um. So when I was when I was there and there was not a pandemic going on, you know, you learn to kind of do everything. And when you present yourself for an internship, being able to say, I host a show, I run spots, I keep a log, having that experience where the person running your internship doesn't have to like I, I interned for the Grant Napier show 
and his producer knew that she could just go like, Hey, cut this audio, um, book this guest because I had experience doing all that. So that's, that's, that was the big thing. Not so much, not so much having the experience because it's different at KSSU than it is at KSGK or a different radio station, but just having, having the skills like cutting audio and just an ear for what's good radio and doing research and finding topics knowing how to do those little things is very helpful for the person, like I said, running your internship because they know they, they, that you're reliable and you have experience in that already. Uh, you know, you touched on that Grant Napier internship. I mean, how was that experience? Cause you know, Grant Napier is one of the, one of those guys in Sacramento that a lot of people look up to and stuff in terms of sports. So how was that experience? What'd you learn from that? And how did that help you grow into your uh, future endeavors? Working with Grant, I got to do so many things that go outside the scope of a normal internship. Like they didn't just lock me in a room and say, cut all this audio. It was a little bit of cutting audio, but it was a lot of researching and coming up with ideas and basically producing the show. Um, you know, not not fully, but it was a lot of hands-on. Um, the producer who normally books guests would say, hey, here's this person's number. Shoot him a text. Tell him your grants intern um, and, and book a time. And that kind of stuff. And then working working with Grant specifically and just kind of getting to know the ins and outs because at that time he was doing his show by himself. He was totally solo. Uh, they hadn't brought in Doug Christie yet. And having somebody who... Um, had to generate four hours of content just by himself you get you get a lot of you get a lot of experience and a lot of ideas and a lot of different things you do and and frankly don't like about about the way to do a show um he's he's so unique in in the way he does did his show and now his podcast it's a very new york style it's very upfront because i grew up in the bay area the 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 bay area radio market is much different than the way the New York radio market operates. And so getting that experience and just kind of seeing a different side or a different version of a radio personality was, was really good. And then Grant was always, was always great. So where do you get your confidence from? Cause you know, a lot of people think that think it's easy to turn on these microphones and talk and be, and be entertaining, but we all know the reality that's not. So where do you get your confidence from? doing it a long time um my first ever show i'll never forget it dude like i went in and i'm sure you guys are like you know you know sports you like sports you watch sports it's 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 part of your life and you talk about it with your buddies and you have takes and you have thoughts you have ideas and then you crack the mic and it's just different mm -hmm. and i can't really i i don't know i don't have a specific point where i like turned the corner and had it figured out and i still don't like i'm still learning every single day but preparation and going into shows and going into things knowing that your take or your news or whatever you're doing being being confident in the information you have and what you're going to say and being able to back it up is enormous because the first my first show ever I went in and I was going to do something about the 2010 NFL draft. And 
I had this whole take <laughs> that the 49ers should draft Percy Harvin instead of Michael Crabtree. And <laughs> that was my, that was my like, and I had, I thought I had prepared for it because I had like a couple numbers on each guy. Well, you crack the mic and then you realize, oh shoot, I have to do this for an hour and I have a minute and a half of stuff here. (laughs) (laughs) And so I did my minute and a half and I just froze, man. Like I just, it was like, I'd never watched a sporting event in my life or listened to sports radio in my life. And part of it was because I went in, I was like, I'm going to do it my way. But the fact of the matter is, is everybody does, everybody's copying somebody. You, you, you listen to sports radio hosts and you're like, Oh, I like the way he does that. Or I don't like the way he does that. And you just kind of start pulling those things in. And when you go into a show, you're better prepared and you know, like you're confident in the, the personality that you want to convey on the, on the, on the air. And so it's just all of that is to say it's just reps, man. When if you think you had a bad show, don't go away from it like, oh, man, I messed up. Maybe this isn't for me. Go take away from it like, okay, what did I do wrong? How can I do better to make sure that doesn't happen again? Who would you grow up inspired listening to? Who inspired you to be in this field? Who would you kind of look up for inspiration to to really just build who you are now? So the the show i always i grew up listening to different barrier personalities uh ralph barbieri who just passed away uh was was incredible him and tom tolbert in the afternoons on kmbr were were so so good but the show that was like i would leave early to sit in my car in the sac state parking lot to listen to these guys it was it was gary radnich on kmbr with dan dibley and they would have Tony Bruno on. And it was just an incredible, like 45 minutes to an hour of radio. And the way that they had a sports talk show, but had so much fun with it and got away from the super serious sports guy numbers, stats, opinions. It was it was so much fun. And I felt like I was learning, but I felt like I was being entertained. And that's something that's so hard to capture, but it's something mm-hmm. that I aim for. Um, so that's that was the show that, like I said, that was when I was when I was 19 and 20 years old. I was going, that's that's the show I want to have. That's the way I want to be. And I actually get to produce Dib's show now, which is really cool. Uh, 95.7 The Game. So um those were the guys that that i really looked to somebody else that i really i really like and i don't get to listen to him a lot but whenever whenever i can i kind of see how he goes about his business is calling cowherd i don't i don't always agree with cowherd in fact i disagree (laughs) with him a lot but the guy is an elite elite radio person from just a mechanical standpoint and Mm -hmm. the way he prepares and he's wrong I I'm not trying to say that <laughs> that, that he's right all the time. It makes it fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the other thing is like, bro, you're gonna do so much talking, you're gonna be wrong a For lot, sure. and you just have to be like, lean into it. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. a, especially if you're tweeting and you're 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 talking on air. Like, you're just gonna be wrong sometimes. You're not being you're not getting into this to be 100 percent correct. 
uh, you're getting into it to entertain. You know, everyone says if you when you reach your dream job, you have that moment where it's like, oh, wow, I'm doing what I wanted to do all my life. Has that hit you yet? Nah, because I'm not quite I'm not quite exactly where I want to be. Um, I'm constantly trying to move forward and like ultimately I want to be I want to be hosting a show. And right now I'm I'm producing and I get to do some stuff on weekends and I get to do some stuff with Candlestick Chronicles. But I want to be, you know, on a radio show hosting it. And I'm not quite there yet, but the idea of what you just said, the idea that like, man, someday I'm gonna crack a mic and it's gonna be my first show in a in a in a as a as a host. At, at KHK, I did I, I co-hosted the morning show. But I was doing, I was producing and I was board hopping at the same time. And it just didn't ever feel, it didn't ever feel like, man, I'm there. I made it. And the, the desire to get there is the reason I'm, you know, I get up at five and I am at the station at eight and I'm home around three thirty or four. And then I sit down and I write. And then a couple nights a week, I jump on a podcast and um, I work through the weekends, like, because I want to get there and I want, I want that. I want to crack a mic and be like, man, I made it. Let's, I think a lot of people, like you said, they know about the radio shows, but they don't know like the background, like the producer, like, you know, you mind going into ins and outs of being a producer and what that provides to the host and just the interaction and everything, what that job means and everything like that. Yeah. So my job as the producer is basically like, it's my show. The hosts are going to talk and the hosts are going to have ideas and thoughts and things they want to talk about. But if I think they should go a different direction, I'm the one getting in their ear and saying, Hey, get off this. Let's move to this. Um, it's coming up with topics. It's doing research. Like if those guys, if my hosts are talking about something and they go, Hey, you know, how many quarterbacks have won a Super Bowl after losing it? Like, that's my job to go find that info. It's coming up with segment ideas that are fun. It's booking guests. Like, um, if the Niners are playing the Saints this weekend, um, we have a number on Deuce McAllister, the former Saints running back. I've got to I've got to get him on the horn and try and get him on the show. It's, it's daunting and it's difficult. And... I mean, I've been doing this for for a while now and you still get hella nervous when the phone starts ringing and it's some dude that, you know, you grew up watching, but that's part of it. And it's it's um, it's important because guests guests can can really make a show sometimes. So that's a big piece of it as well. So it a show can happen without a producer, but it's really hard for a good show to happen without a producer. What's the hardest part you think of being a producer real quick? knowing knowing when knowing when to steer the show a different direction and knowing when okay this topic's gone on too long let's move to something else because there's times where it'll it'll be good and maybe it sounds good to everybody else but i don't like it like knowing having that having that instinct of like, all right, this is good radio. I may not like it. I may not be into the topic, but this is a good radio topic that a lot of people are probably into and trying to kind of put my personal feeling aside and, and vice versa when it's something I like, or maybe it's super funny and they're going on about, um, 
they're going on about a grocery store aisles. I don't know. It's just something non-sports like knowing when to like, okay, let's cut this off. Let's get back to what we were talking about. That's, that's the hardest part of just having that feel for what, what topics are good, what topics aren't and making sure that we're keeping listeners engaged for, for the amount of time that we need to keep people engaged. I want to go off of something you said earlier. You're, you know, you're the producer. It's your show. You control it. How did you control it during this, um, these past four years where it seems sports and politics um, mixed a lot more? The biggest thing is if, like, you don't want to be inflammatory, obviously, either direction. But if you feel that the right thing to do is to talk about a topic that is, you know, maybe sports related, but there's a political slant. Colin Kaepernick is the example of this. Um, You know that if Colin Kaepernick's name comes up, even today, it could be, we could be talking about available free agent quarterbacks and you could be listing them and you say Colin Kaepernick, you're going to get texts on the text line that, you know, say all sorts of awful things. Knowing if in your heart, if it's the right thing to talk about and you're doing the right thing, um, then that's fine. Maybe you're not doing winning radio, but if you feel like there's going to be people who are listening to it and it's cathartic for them, like maybe you drive some people away, whatever. But if you feel like it's the right thing to talk about, talk about it. Um, when George Floyd was was killed... Uh, my show had two black hosts on it and we talked about the protests and what was going on in the country for a week because that's, that was the topic. That was the story. Maybe it's not sports, but that was the story in the United States. And that was the right, that was the right thing to do. So um, like I said, there's, there's times where you, you avoid certain topics for sure. And you don't just randomly bring up politics. Um, but if it ties into sports, you know, you got to make sure that you are, um, you're educated on it and making sure that your hosts are educated on it and making sure that, uh, you're keeping the conversation in the scope of, of whatever topic you want to you want to keep it inside well how did you produce the show during the pandemic when sports were at a halt um (laughs) you didn't (laughs) no um it was well (laughs) because it started when it when everything started it was like all right sports will be back in a couple weeks nah it was just a lot of collaborative efforts with other producers and our bosses at the station of like, all right, um, how do we do a, we did like a Mount Rushmore of the best plays in Bay area history and each show picked a play. And we had all this, this big list and we had callers chiming in and that was a super fun thing we did. Uh, the day Steph, the anniversary of the day Steph Curry was drafted. Uh, I put together a, a Steph Curry show where we had, uh, Bob Myers, who's the Warriors GM now, Larry Riley, who was the Warriors GM when, when Curry got picked, we had his head coach from Davidson on, we had Kent Bazemore, who was a mm-hmm. teammate of his in Golden State and one of his really good friends. Like we just loaded it up with, with guests to talk about Steph Curry and had highlights and all that jazz. Uh, that was a really fun day. 
but yeah, I mean, it was, it was really hard sometimes because so much of what we do is, is predicated on stuff that's going on now. And we didn't have an off seasons to talk about. We didn't have games to talk about, and you can only pull from historical stuff for so long before you start running out of content. So it was extremely difficult uh, for the producers. It was really difficult for the hosts. Um, but you know, we, we got through it and our station didn't get shut down. So that was, <laughs> that was the goal. What would be your biggest advice you would give to your young self, young Kyle at Sac State, maybe, or even younger to mm-hmm. like, like, you know, we all know reps and everything. Maybe just something that you just feel like you would have heard that and that would have just probably just set you like something that you would have stuck to your head. Anything you want to tell to people listening today who have like the same dreams as you do like me? Yeah, so it's two things. And it's two things that other people actually told me when I was coming up that have that were so helpful in my life. One of them was your boat is going to come around once. And when it comes around, you better jump on it. And... I was, I applied that when I was living in Arizona, I moved down there after I graduated from Sac State to do a customer service job for a video streaming company. And I hated it. I lived there for two and a half years. I met my best friend in life down in Arizona. I loved living there. I love all my friends there. They're great. But I was so dissatisfied with my job. And so I dropped everything and I moved home. Luckily, my folks are wonderful um, and let me move in with them. Um and I was working in San Francisco at NBC part-time. I was working at KHDK on weekends and the KHDK morning board op job came open and I was going to make a lot less money to do that, but it was my opening and that was my boat coming around. Um, and so I took it and like I said, I was very fortunate to be in a position where I could live with my folks and, and, and afford to, to take a job that wasn't paying as well. Um, but it was a key reason that I'm kind of where I'm at now producing a, a show in a, in a day part in San Francisco and in such a big market. So that was one piece of advice. Like you cannot be afraid to go outside your comfort zone. Like if you think it's going to be an opportunity to step up in your career, maybe you move to, to Idaho, or maybe you're moving to to New York or a place that maybe you're not familiar with. But if this is what you want to do, like you got to just jump in and do it. The other thing that stuck with me was my my buddy who was a host at KHGK, who was also with me at KSSU. He was like, one time we were talking about this guy that a lot of people at the station didn't like. And he goes, one of the things you need to know about radio is that people will help you out if you're a person people like being around. And that really stuck because it's just like, man, keep your head down, work hard. uh, Don't bug people. And people notice that like people are like, Oh, that guy comes in, he hangs out, he works hard. Maybe he says a funny thing here and there. I want him on my show. And that's, that's a, such a key thing that that's been helpful for me is like not beating my boss's door down every day going like, Hey, when can I get some hosting? When can I, when can I host? I'll email my boss every once in a while and be like, Hey, can I get it? You know, just wanted to check in about, you know, weekend shows or whatever, but not just, just, just work, man. Just, just grind. Like if you want it, 
you'll you'll put the work in and and people will notice that like i promise i promise you people notice when you're working your ass off and so do that and people will want to help you thank you for that kyle yeah that's actually the great a great spot to end this that was an excellent answer excellent closing to the interview i want to thank you for all for your time you know it's a bit you took a time out of your day and gave it to us we really appreciate it yeah anytime guys uh happy to do it